A boss a really long time ago told me, Angela, the only rule you need to know in business is no surprises. Hi, everybody. It's Tony Caldwell, and welcome to another edition of Uncaptive Agency, where we're talking about the future of insurance and the future of insurance distribution with a specific focus on the independent agency system. And today, I'm so pleased to have as my guest, Angela Noble, who is vice president with EMC Companies for Innovation. Angela has been involved in change management and innovation management for a number of years now and is outstanding at what she does. And I know that because she was just recently named uh, an outstanding leader by Insurance Business Magazine and is the recipient of a number of other leadership awards inside the insurance industry. And Angela, I was uh, reading your interview, I guess in the newspaper, and I was impressed by something. I was impressed that you have looked for jobs that in your career, and you've had a, 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 a series of assignments in innovation. So I really want to dig into that in just a minute. But what impressed me was that you made the comment that you look for things that scare you a little bit. And uh, so I'm thinking innovation, scary, you're really a, an unusual person. You're what I would call an intrapreneur. So kind of like an entrepreneur, but you're working inside a really large organization driving change. And, uh, you know, we work with entrepreneurs here in our organization, love entrepreneurs. And so you're just like that, except you're working for a big company. That's cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think, you know, doing things that scare you a little bit. I mean, we've all heard that quote. Um, But I also think it shows that in insurance, there's so much you can do and there's so much that's always happening and so the, it, it is not a stagnant, boring uh, industry. There's actually um, so much happening all the time. So I've been very fortunate to be able to capture some of those, uh, you know, scary feelings and and do some different things throughout my career. So thank you for calling that out. I appreciate it. Sure. I have a business coach, Dan Sullivan, who um, says for, about entrepreneurs, and he, he coaches entrepreneurs and has for a long time, that if an entrepreneur is not scared, he or she's not making progress. And so, you know, that really resonates with me because, you know, you, you know, you, as soon as you succeed at something, you put yourself in a position where you're challenged again. And obviously you've done that with your career. Um, and most recently for the last number of years, in fact, um, with innovation. So let's dig into a little bit of that because, you know, people don't think of insurance companies. Uh, they don't think of the insurance industry, generally speaking, is very innovative. Um, and But you believe that it is. Tell me why. Yes. And I uh, I think we've been using those term, that term just recently. And so that's why I think there's that perception that insurance isn't innovative. But Tony, you know, we've, we've both been around insurance for a while, right? And, and the things that we would call innovative today, we're actually innovative, you know, years ago, but we wouldn't call it that. So when we think about um, okay, when I first started insurance, we were using paper files and fax machines. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not using those things anymore. But when we went away from those things, we didn't call that necessarily innovation. It was just, okay, here's some changes. Here's how we're going to change with the business. We're going to make things more efficient. We're going to start doing things, you know, 
via email. I remember when I first got my first email address and that was, that was a scary moment. And look at me now, I use email all the time. But you know, I think we are an innovative industry and think about how much we've, we've gone through and how much change we have. And now we're really embracing it in a more formal way. And so that's really what um, I'm doing at EMC um, today. And you know, um, it's interesting. I have said a number of times that I think the next 10 years, and so as we're talking, it's uh, just at the end of the third quarter of 2021. So call it 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, in the next decade, I think there's going to be more change than there has been in the last 100 years in the industry. I mean, we're in a, a period of really profound change. And a, a friend of mine who wrote a book called Abundance, The Future is Better Than You Think, talks about change in terms of it being deceptive until it's disruptive. And so there's this curve and it takes a long, long time for that for, for things to pick up steam, but when it does, then it just goes shooting straight up. And I think, I think the industry itself is on the knee of the curve of exponential change, of the very rapid change. And so one of the challenges, I believe, for everybody in the business, whether you work for an insurance carrier or you're on the distribution or sales side, is coming to grips with the fact that change is happening all around you, uh, which is emotionally disruptive as well as business disruptive. Um, so I'm curious, you know, you work in this area every day. What are the what are the, the things that people need to think about? What are the anchors, I suppose, um, that people can use to 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 get comfortable with that rapidly changing environment they're in? Oh, I love that you said anchor. I'm going to steal that. Uh, no, I won't steal it. I'll give you credit for it. But I love that because I think that's one of the most important things is because of the volume of change and the differing types of change. It's not just technology. Um, we have to re- we have to be focused. You can only do so much at once. And I think that's why people feel overwhelmed with change or innovation sometimes because there are so many things you can do and there are so many things that are happening to you. So that's why I always tell my team is that we need to remain purposeful, intentional, and focused with our innovation and really think about what are we doing and what's going to be the impact on our company, our agents, or our policyholders? How is this a strategic innovative change? Who is it going to impact and what, what do we think will happen? Um, so I just, I yes, I agree with you. I think there's going to be so much change because it's not just technology right now. It's about culture and people and leadership and communication styles, all of that is happening all at once. And I think it's really exciting. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, we're human and we have to choose, we have to prioritize and choose a place to start. Well, you know, just to put uh, this in perspective in terms of the pace or or the rapidity of what's going on in our world, I read a Pete Marwick study that was done, I think in 2018. So a couple of years old, uh, but I think has done nothing but accelerate since then. Anyway, according to the, to the study I read, you know, there was more information being created in 2018 than in the entire history of the world up until then. So, I mean, that's how much uh, information is being created. And so, and again, that's accelerating. So uh, it's a really a, a time of, uh, that's really hard to get your arms around. So you talked about culture um, and you talked about a couple other things. And I know from reading an article that, that you wrote, you talked about some, some of the hallmarks of the way that you're looking at innovation and change. And so help our audience. So give us some framework 
uh, for the really important things, the three or four or five, you know, things that are really important as you anchor yourself and prepare for the future? What are those? So the way that we approach innovation um, on my team at EMC is I'd mentioned being purposeful and intentional. And that means we really want to understand, okay, what problem are we trying to solve for? Who is, you know, who's the audience? And then how do we be collaborative and involve them? It's it's one thing for Angela to say, hmm, you know, I think I found a solution for underwriting and then go and develop it out and then just, you know, hand it to them one day and say, I think you're really going to like this. You should, you should implement it. And it's another thing to have a structured process for innovation of identifying gaps or opportunities together and then guiding our business partners through that process. And at EMC, we definitely have um, a really comprehensive process that not only includes the end business user, which can be someone, you know, a business unit within EMC, it can be our agency partners or it can be policyholders. But throughout that process of involving our IT teams, our security, information security, our data teams, our customer experience teams, all throughout, ensuring that everyone has that voice at the table to really shape how is this innovation related back to what we're trying to solve for and what's the value that it's going to bring back to our company or the people that it's impacting. So that's really where we start is being really purposeful and intentional and having a process. And of course, Tony, the first, you know, as soon as I say process, you know that processes are meant to, you know, you create a process so that someone can change it probably the next day. (laughs) So it's always evolving. And that's just the thing too, is we've got to, you know, we've got to come from a place of learning and understanding that even if it doesn't go perfectly the first time, talking through that and being brave enough to say, okay, that didn't really go as we thought it would. What did we learn? Let's let's talk and be honest, and then let's move forward together. And together is definitely the the key word there. So what I'm hearing is a willingness to take risk, mm-hmm. a willingness to experiment uh, and fail, uh, knowing that failure leads to success down the road. I mean, that's what I'm hearing you say. Also, is that is that fair? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think also being able to demonstrate and link it back to something that will add value for the company, the agency or the policyholder, because, you know, it, it, I will say it's really fun to chase those shiny objects and to bring in really cool ideas uh, that are just interesting to listen to. But at the end of the day, we need to make sure that we are helping our company evolve and grow along with all of those consumer um, and agency preferences and all of that too. So it all has to link together. Okay. So you obviously work, uh, EMC companies is a very large organization and you've mentioned teams and you've mentioned a whole bunch of teams. And if we step back and say, okay, for, uh, in the agency business, um, there are certainly some insurance agencies that are, are also huge, uh, but many are small, like three, four, five, ten people, uh, confronting the same sorts of challenges that you at EMC are uh, facing. Right. And so, um, I don't mean to say dumb this down, but if we can simplify a little bit, uh, one of the things I heard you say was, you know, being really intentional. Uh, and so figuring out what the problem is, okay, what's the problem? Uh, you didn't say this, but I think you've implied it, which is what's the vision? You know, where are we going? You know, what do we, you know, and, and so, um, and then bringing everybody to the table, you know, maybe it's the CSRs and the producers and the accounting staff, 
um, you know, I, I had an interesting experience recently. <clears throat> I'm chairman of the board of a small community bank, and we have a, a new business unit. And there have been some issues in that business unit. We had the leader left. CEO had to step in, run it for a little bit. And he came back and said, you know, the sales team's not talking to the compliance team, and they're not talking to the accounting. And I'm like, I've been telling you this for three years. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, but, but the point is they weren't, they weren't doing what you said. They weren't all at the same table saying, hey, how do we solve this problem in a collegial manner? Well, when they did that, it was interesting because not only did they solve the, the problems very rapidly, uh, but then the productivity just skyrocketed. And so I'm sure that you believe the same thing happens in agencies when everybody sits down and confronts the same kinds of issues together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the, you know, the key thing that you're saying too, or what I'm hearing you say, um, is it's all about relationships and there's not a one size fits all solution. And that's the same at, at a carrier within an agency, within policyholders, everyone's going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's really key for us leaders to listen, to humbly ask, what am I not asking that I should be? So we understand who we're working with. And then what am I not saying that you need me to say? You know, I think, I think there are some questions that us as leaders, while we're where we're trying to understand others' perspectives or trying to understand what gaps or opportunities are there, we also need to be asking questions um, and giving people an opportunity to speak openly with us, which is hard to do, um, but that's, that's part of an innovative culture too. So you mentioned, uh, I think you used the term partners earlier, um, and, and I think you were describing an internal process inside your own company, but clearly, Insurance agents are, are generally viewed by insurance carriers as partners in the business. Mm -hmm. They should be, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, and, and, and clearly, because EMC has a vice president of innovation, a, a leader, you know, at the senior level, driving and facilitating uh, a process of moving through the changes that are coming, you, you view that as really important. So how, how does... Um, how does the uh, how does this work as we go forward with both the the creators of insurance uh, insurance carriers and the distributors of insurance insurance agencies? What are the kinds of approaches to innovation or mindsets around innovation that carriers are going to be looking for in their in their agency partners as we move forward? So, I think uh, I think again it comes back down to the one size doesn't fit all, right? Um, and so I think it's it's coming in with an approach that innovation isn't siloed. So just because you know Angela has innovation in her title doesn't mean that only Angela can do innovation. Um, it means getting the right people in the room. So at EMC, we have a really strong um, agency team that works every single day with our independent agents to really get to know them, to understand their business, to understand their strengths and opportunities. Those are the people that I need at the table to ensure that we're having the right types of conversations so that we can empower our agents and find innovative solutions that will help them. So again, yeah, innovation, I would say innovation doesn't happen in a silo or a vacuum or whatever term you want to use, um, but we have to have everyone feel empowered to have and lead those conversations. So do you think though that agents uh, and agency owners that, that don't want to change, don't have a mindset around evolving? Uh, into a changing future, you know, how do you view folks like that compared to say the people that you interact with 
um, who do? I mean, what's the future for somebody who wants to do it on paper, for example, and doesn't want to change? I mean, is that is that a is there a viable future for folks like that in your in your opinion? My opinion only. I think it, I think it would be very difficult just because we know that more and more services are moving online, um, and you know, even with COVID, the face to face interactions. That was difficult over the last year or so. Um, I know that's a huge part of relationship building too, um, not only at, in agencies, but in our carriers as well. I think I think your resistance to change would be difficult. However, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like, you know, I think what we have to do is understand the why. So the why, so there's a different, that's again, back to my one size fits all. I'm going to be repeating myself, I think throughout this time, but um. You know, understanding, okay, well, what is the resistance to, resistance to change? What are the reasons why? And what might, maybe there's some benefit there. So maybe the resistance to change is because, you know, the relationships that they have with their book of business are, hey, face-to-face, I've been doing business with them for 40 years. I know them. Like, this is how I do business. This is my brand. And I think having a respect for that. So I think respectful, open conversations are the key. Um, and knowing that everyone will move at a different pace, um, mm-hmm. respecting that. And it's okay to make decisions that might not include everyone. And I think um, that's that's really hard to do because I think just as a human being, you want to find a solution that does work for everyone. But um, as long as you can have those open conversations and say, okay, this is the direction that we're moving. This is why. We want you to be part of it. And if you choose not to, okay, (laughs) then let's continue to figure out ways that we can have um, a respectful relationship. You know, um, I spent a chapter of my book talking about why and how it's so important for insurance agency entrepreneurs to have uh, really solid reasons uh, that they believe in and have internalized about why uh, they're taking the risk to start a business, why it is that they're creating an insurance agency, why they uh, are in the marketplace and how that's different than other people's whys. And, uh, you know, I, I think everybody is uh, influenced to some degree by uh, Simon Sinek's uh, books on, on that subject. But I think it really is important. And so uh, understanding your own personal whys is a beginning point to creating institutional whys, right? And then understanding each other's it becomes the, you know, why we're doing things the way we do them becomes really, really important to understanding each other. So I'm glad Absolutely. you brought that up. Absolutely. And I think actually at one, uh, I had in back in my, my varied career, um, I, I had a, um, a role where I was leading change management and there was a lot of discussion about your resistance to change and understanding that why And because a lot of times what you discover is the root of that resistance isn't just because, oh, I don't want to, but something else, you know, do you have the tools that you need to change? Do you understand, you know, do you have the resources that you need to change? And I think that's where, you know, when we really look at these, you know, innovative changes that are happening to us, we also have to consider how do we help and enable people to embrace that change and then move forward with it. And I think, I think, you know, as carriers, especially, we can, we, sh- I think, you know, this is again, Angela's opinion, but I think, I think we should, I think we should really think about that, um, of how do we enable our agency partners um, to embrace and move forward with change. So just wanted to add that in. Sure, no, I think that's really <laughs> helpful. And, you know, as you think about the next decade, uh, where we're going to have a lot of, I think we both agree, there's going to be a lot of really interesting things develop. 
what does the insurance company of the future look like? How does it how does it look differently than it does today? Oh, oh my goodness. Well, if you'd asked me this a couple of years ago, I think I still would have had the lens of, well, we'll be working in office buildings and we'll be, I, that's, I, I think what I learned over the last 18 months is I cannot actually predict the future, even though that is something I try to tell my kids that I can do. <laughs> I can't, I don't actually do that. Um, but I think, I think I, what I love is, and actually it makes me think of the AM best innovation scoring criteria, which is a relatively new um, portion of AM best. And what they focus on isn't, you know, okay, we're going to score you on the number of technological changes you made, but what they score us on are leadership, culture, resources, processes, and then we talk about output. So I think the the company of the future is really focusing on that, what we've been talking about the whole time, Tony, of embracing change, putting the human beings first being purposeful and intentional. And I think that's what it looks like is that opening up more ways to communicate, making decisions, being open with each other and respectful. I just, I think that's it. I think it's more of a culture. Um, and I think, yes, we'll have a lot of technology and like things will, that will amaze us. Um, but I think it's, I think it's going to be all about people. Well, I certainly hope it is. It's always been about people up until now. And you just mentioned COVID a second ago, and clearly COVID has changed a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. But it's done something else, I think, which is it's brought a new value to the fore um, that I don't see people talking about very much, um, and that's agility. Um, and so, you know, when when um, I remember the 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 beginning of the pandemic was announced in Oklahoma City when the the Thunder NBA basketball team didn't play one night because one of the players of the opposing team showed up with COVID and what do we do? And that was March 13th. And beginning on the morning of March 14th, the entire world changed. And it was interesting just uh, you know, we have nearly 200 agencies in our organization and and some people uh, moved very rapidly into a into a virtual environment and didn't miss a beat. I mean, they were already equipped, uh, you know, with tools, but also with a mindset that, okay, we're going to roll with this. Other people, it took months. Um, and in fact, we had a, an agency open their doors on March 14th. And I talked to them, I don't know, a week or so later, and they were just, uh, they were loving what was going on. I mean, they were writing business hand over fist. They said, everybody's at home. It's great to get, it's easy to get a hold of people. While other folks were, you know, bemoaning that they couldn't sell uh, insurance in the way they were used to. So this agility, I think, uh, really, or the ability to to be agile, began to really show up in the second quarter of 2020. And I think it's something that, if you think about a rapidly evolving world, is a is a virtue that everyone ought to focus on. What do you think? Oh my gosh, I couldn't have said it better. Yes, I completely agree. I think we proved to ourselves um, how agile we can be. We had to I, we had to do it in a matter of days, and here we are, year and a half later, and um, we're still doing this, and we're successful, and we've we've done a lot of great things. So, I yes, ditto to what you said. <laughs> well, and and people are you know you mentioned uh, that maybe working in offices is uh, you know it's an up for grabs you know thing. I mean, people are experimenting and trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my comment is I think geography is dead. Uh, you know, I was on the phone with one of my attorneys on Friday and 
learned that in his office building, his office is literally six blocks from here, but I hadn't seen him in a while. So I did not realize he had moved to Fort Worth, Texas, which is 200 miles away. He had all these reasons why with his family, you know, and he goes, no, people don't care where I am. And that's exactly right. I don't care where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were having a, a Zoom conversation. He could be six blocks, uh, 60 miles or, you know, on the other side of the earth for that matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't. Yeah. I agree. So, that's a, there's some really interesting uh, things to think about in that regard. So uh, how are, how are you uh, at, at EMC, how are you thinking about this death of geography in terms of how your teams work uh, and, you know, where they work uh, and who they work with? You know, I mean, is that, um, what kind of opportunities is that presenting for you? Many opportunities. Um, and I think we haven't solved the problem yet, or the riddle, I should say, not the problem, but we haven't solved the riddle yet. So, you know, we intend to go back and open up offices and, and have people working from them. However, at the same time, we also intend to listen um, to understand, okay, well, what do our team members want and need? What types of schedule do they desire? And how do we how do we address that? I think the other thing is too is empowering leaders. So (laughs) leaders were kind of in that middle like bubble, right? So we all were at home and then now, okay, not only am I a leader that I have to do my role and, and, you know, make sure my boss is happy, but now I'm leading a group of people who are going through immense change and trying to, um, it's just, it was so much, right? And so now as we're thinking about return to work or, what do we want that to look like? Helping and empowering leaders to make decisions, to learn how to build skills. So if you were a leader that had never you know, led someone who didn't sit right next to you in an office, does that change how you lead? What skills and experience do you need to make sure that you're still growing and evolving as a leader and you're, you are an effective leader? And I think that's what we're talking about at EMC right now is really empowering everyone and um, making sure leaders have the tools that they need to make sure that we continue to have effective teams, no matter what our geography is. And I agree with you. I know, actually, I work with someone who, now she she did the extreme even more uh, than what your friend did, Tony, but um, she has sold her house, bought an RV, and that's where she will be working from for, for the future. So her and her husband are both working, they're just driving around the country, living out of an RV and living and working which I think is a really good story. We might have to have her on your podcast later this year to see how that's going. (laughs) That's, That's, you know, as I'm hearing you talk about this, so, and you said, okay, leaders that are having to lead people that they're not necessarily sitting next to anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I, what occurs to me is that the, okay, so what do you want in a business leader? Okay. You want business acumen, you want technical skills, uh, you want great decision making and good judgment and analytics and all those things, right? Those are all hard skills. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you went to college to learn a lot of that. But wh- what I, what I, what I'm taking from what you're saying is that you know, gosh, here's the skill of the future that everybody has to uh, either come equipped with or figure out, which is empathy. Mm-hmm. I mean, is absolutely. that right? Oh my goodness, yes, absolutely, empathy. Human perspective. You said it too. Insurance is about has always been about humans, um, and definitely going forward. And I think also helping leaders develop their coaching skills, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just developing um, yes, those soft skills. Right. We know that our leaders are technically sound. They know what they're doing, 
Um, but to be able to coach and empower others, I think is where we can really help our leaders as well. I'm included in that. <laughs> so what makes a great coach? Uh, just what you just did, asking questions. I, uh, and in fact, I, I just had a session with my coach um, and most of that session is him just asking questions of me. Uh, I think helping people get to those solutions on their own rather than telling them what the answer is. Even if you really know it and you have this burning desire to share, a coach helps others learn and grow on their own. You know, one of the things I think a great coach has is, is great perspective. Um, mm -hmm. And everybody has a perspective. The problem is our perspective of ourselves and our own performance is so flawed because it's always out looking. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember many years ago uh, taking a, a trip with my family and later my father was showing pictures of the of the trip and there was a guy with my overcoat on holding the hands of my children down by this river. But I didn't recognize him because, you know, everybody else did, but I didn't because that guy was bald. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and I realized Guys. that was the first time that I realized I'd gone bald because I don't looking in the mirror. I'm not looking, you know, with the back of my head. And so uh, my perspective was different, you know, than everyone else's. Oh, uh, and so a, a great coach brings a different perspective to, to a performer, whether it's an athlete or a, or a, a business person. Um, and then to your point, um, asking questions really seeks to create understanding between the two perspectives. It doesn't, isn't that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love what you said about different perspective too. So that's what we, that's what we need. Sometimes we get really tunnel vision into what we're working on or, you know, an issue that we have, you know, with another team or working with a business partner. And we, we sometimes lose sight of that perspective and yes, a coach will, a good coach will draw that out. So well said. I think there's a I think there's a really interesting opportunity here, and I'm glad we're talking about this because uh, insurance agents and insurance carriers talk, I think, a lot at each other, but not to each, you know, not with each other, right? Uh, I think that's the uh, and even inside of organizations, you have a hierarchical, which has really died, I think, over the last ten or fifteen years. You know, management structure. I mean, it's got to be more lateral, mm -hmm. and I think it is in many organizations. But I don't necessarily see that in the conversation between agents and companies. What do you think? I oh my goodness, I, I agree again. Uh, yes, and I I think that's where it's really important for carriers to invite agents in to have a seat at the table and say we do want to hear what what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and then also running things by our agency partners, I think is a really big thing. So especially from the innovation space, let's say that I go out and I find a solution, I think, oh my goodness, this will make it so much more efficient for people to quote with our company, let's do it. And I never ask an agent, well, <laughs> how do I know that will actually help? So right. yes, I think opening up those lines of communication, I'm seeing that more and more every day and I think that's wonderful, but yes. <laughs> Seat at the table, yeah, for sure. Well, I had a conversation with a friend recently, and he, and he had had a meeting with one of his carrier partners who brought in some data and said, "Here's some data. Here's mm -hmm. what we're doing about it." And it was a, and he said, "You know, it's the first time it was ever like an edict." And and so he said they had a follow up meeting, and they gave the carrier a bunch of data. Okay, and and it was interesting because it's like, okay, here's your data, here's my data, totally different data. <laughs> and, and and really, the data was like. It was perspective. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, 
and the, he, he said, you know, the folks from the carriers, like they never had anybody do that to them before. He said, do it to them. But I, I you know, uh, and he said, after they kind of got over that, we had a great conversation. Um, and so it makes the point, okay, uh, we have to all be willing to listen to the other side. And yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and yes, I, I think that it's just relationship building, right? Which is what insurance has been about since the first day anyway. But yes, it's all about relationships and being humble. So, you know, back to COVID, um, it's been a horrible, tragic uh, thing that's happened to the whole world. And yet, you know, I, I think and I don't believe yet that people are really latching on to this or talking about it, but it's also creating enormous good and enormous opportunities. You know, the 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 Renaissance, when you, when you go to Europe and you go through museums and things, you look at all this wonderful artwork um, and uh, what gave birth to the Renaissance, which literally means the rebirth, was the Black Death, when 25 or 30% of the population actually died. And so had that not happened, we wouldn't have had this amazing outburst in human history of creativity and, and all the things that led to that. I think COVID's actually going to do the same thing and it is actually doing the same thing. So for example, we're having this conversation today on Zoom. I've been trying to Zoom with people for five years. Everybody's like, what is Zoom? <laughs> no one, uh, you know, we had this clunky uh, stuff, but now we have this ability. And what's coming in a two or three years, actually, um, and I've experienced it, uh, will be untethered virtual reality where you're sitting across this table from me uh, in cyberspace, not as a weird-looking, funky cartoon character, but as you, right? Absolutely. Um, I had an opportunity recently to see um, Tony Robbins, and they said he's coming in a hologram because he had to be in some other city at the same time. And I was sitting, I don't know, 25 feet from the stage, and I thought, they're putting me on. Yeah. They're putting me on. He's really here. I mean, you know, he's not a hologram. He's And then he threw his arms out, and his hands disappeared. And I realized, oh, my gosh, he really isn't here. But, that, but that's how realistic and lifelike it was. And so, again, um, we're all learning to communicate differently as a result of COVID. And I think it's just a down payment on what's coming. So I think that means that you can bring agents into your innovation centers or labs or wherever you're doing this work mm -hmm. in a way that you've never been able to do before. Do you plan to do that? Absolutely. Yes. Um, and it's interesting that you said labs. So I'll, I'll, I'll address that what you just said in just a moment, but I wanted to make sure I said you know, at the beginning of our conversation, I talked about being really structured and having a process for innovation and, you know, having all these steps. There is a flip side, though, to saying, OK, yes, let's let's dedicate some time to this process. But we also need to pay attention to really kind of the things that we think, well, that's a little far out. Um, and one of those things that we've explored at EMC is augmented and uh, virtual reality and insurance. And we've talked about, well, what are some use cases that we could use at EMC to help and empower others. And we've, we've actually um, started using it and we're revisiting it uh, again this fall. So more to come on that. Uh, but, you know, we have to think outside the box a little bit. And then with our agency partners, yes, right now how we have it at EMC, you know, we have you know, our agency development team, our marketing team have those strong existing relationships and our field team, we need them to be able to help us get that voice of the agent 
um, just how we're structured at EMC that just makes the most sense. Um, other carriers or other um, you know, agencies might have a different um, approach, but, but it is really important for us to be able to do that because, I mean, we, we need the independent agents, That's, period. <laughs> There's more to, no more to say on that. We have to, we need them and we, um, you know, their success is our success. I mean, to say it in business terms, it really is. And so we want to make sure that we're listening, helping, empowering, embracing change, all of those things um, for our agents. I'm glad to hear you, you say that you need agents because um, there's been a ongoing conversation, I think, in the industry over the last couple of decades about what's the future of the agent. And I, and I think actually technology is very threatening to agents. Uh, and, and also, you know, things like direct writing and things, many carriers are trying to be in all these different channels, all of which threatens agents and their and their ability to do business. Um, and so I think there's there, there has been, I don't believe it's so much present today, but I think over the last number of years, it's been a real question. You know, how many agents do we need? How many agencies will there be? Uh, does the independent agency uh, have a future? What does it look like? And while it's evolving, I do think most people now believe that, you know what, people like talking to human beings about their about their really serious issues and that you can't really replace that with technology, that what the role of technology in our business is just to take away the drudgery so yeah. that we have more conversations. Yes. You know, yes. that's, that's my vision. I don't know. What, what is yours? I 100% agree with you. I absolutely do. Because what we're finding is that, um, well, people do want the technology. They want the ease of use. Mm -hmm. But what they're doing is doing their kind of their research, but then thinking, okay, I need the expertise. And I need the knowledge of an independent agent to make sure that I'm getting the right coverages, especially when it comes to commercial lines. My goodness. Um, commercial lines, we need that skill and expertise. That's where the agent comes in. And now that technology is there where they could do this right over Zoom and still write policies, um, I think that's actually helping the independent agent as well. And then I think just from a carrier perspective, what can we do to help and empower agents embrace that change? Because it is, it's still all about relationships. I really, really do believe that. Um, EMC is 100% committed to independent agents. We see their value. Um, and we know that consumers not only, yes, they're looking for ease of use, but they do want the expertise and they want choice. Mm -hmm. And that's where the independent agent comes in of being able to say, okay, here's what you need and here's the options you have. That's, I mean, I can't Google that. <laughs> I mean, I could, but it would be scary. <laughs> Well, I think they want something uh, even more fundamental than the things you listed, which are all important, which, mm -hmm. and I believe what, and I think prospects often, you know, you, you know, as a commercial insurance agent for, you know, a long time, you, you have, you have to get over some barriers before you get to this point with somebody, you know, like, because they want an apples to apples quote, which is ridiculous. But anyway, you got to get past all that. At the end of the day, though, when you get to the point where you're really having serious conversations with somebody about back to fear, what are you scared of? You know, what keeps you up at night? Uh, what's really important to you? What are your hopes, dreams, ambitions for your business or your family? It's only with that information that an agent can do the very best work for somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a million ways to do insurance and risk mm -hmm. management, but only mm -hmm. with that really deep personal uh, connectedness are you able to do the very best work? And so to me, the exciting thing about the future of our business is, is that, you know, doing applications and processing and all those kinds of things are going to go away. Mm 
AI is going to take over most of that stuff, you know, and faster than many people suspect, uh, which, you know, if that's what you think creates your value, you've got a real problem <laughs> for the future. But if you think it's having conversations with people, making friends and, uh, you know, that sort of thing, well, man, it's going to be exciting. I yeah. You too. Well said. Well said, Tony. Completely, completely agree. Well, as we wrap up, um, any last thoughts you want to leave uh, our audience with around the topic of innovation? I mean, you've talked about, we've talked a lot about relationships. We've talked a lot about intentionality, uh, teamwork, uh, listening, understanding, um, so that we're on the same page, but but having uh, making sure that whatever changes that we're doing are uh, solving problems. We talked about a lot of those things. Anything else you want to throw in? I don't think so. I was listening to the list. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I I think we covered it. I, I feel pretty good about it. But, you know, of course, as soon as we hang up, I'll think of at least three more things. <laughs> You'll have to come back. I will, I guess. But yes, thank you. Thank you. That was a good recap. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, Angela Noble, thank you for being with me today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And, uh, I will get this out to you as soon as we finish it up. Um, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. This was so much fun. I appreciate it. Great conversation. Thank you. I'm talking to independent agency owners about this all the time. If you'd like to have a more personalized conversation, click on the button or the link in the description and we'll make that happen. You can also reach out to me at tonycaldwell.net slash contact.